Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of the A-Game Podcast, second episode of Summer Sunday in particular. Hope you all are well. Super happy to have everyone aboard. I want to thank you guys all for tuning in once again. I've had a little trouble uploading with Anchor lately um, and with Spotify, but this will be up shortly. Uh, I want to thank you guys all for the support on Instagram and all the other socials. It means the world, but we're just trying to continue to build and give you the best sporting news possible. But I'm going to start with golf. I'm going to start with the Open. It was at St. Andrews. It was a beautiful tournament. Tiger Woods, even though he struggled, everyone behind him. But Cameron Smith ended up prevailing and winning this tournament in a phenomenal final with him and Rory McIlroy going down to the wire. I enjoyed this tournament from the get-go, from Thursday to Sunday. It was a little difficult because, uh, you know, it's hard to watch uh, golf in England because it's on at weird times when we're all asleep. But in the time I watched, it was absolutely phenomenal. Cameron Smith has had a phenomenal year. He has had just a great year. He's dominated every single tournament he's played in. And this was just another win under his belt. I thought Scotty Scheffler was going to shoot a lot better after the first couple rounds, but he shot mediocre golf as the tournament continued, so that was unfortunate for him. But Roy McIlroy stayed right there. One of the purest swings in golf. Um, one of the purest swings I've ever seen um, in my life, and he's on the rise as far as um, the tournaments in the future are concerned. I think that he is going to be winning some big tournaments down the road. I feel like he's starting to hit his stride. He's starting to get more comfortable. Um, and I, even though he's a vet and he's won a ton of tournaments, there was a patch of time where he was struggling and he couldn't win a major and he couldn't do this, um, do that. But he is he's really hitting his stride at the right time and it's great to see. Um, and then Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland, he's a guy I've followed for a while. I followed him when he was an amateur, um, when he went to Oklahoma State, and then he won the amateur at the Masters and the amateur at almost every single major. And I knew that he was going to be a star. I knew from day one that this kid is legit. And he's showing it now on the biggest stage. Um, one thing for the guys that didn't win, the reason Cameron Smith won was because of his short game. He was hitting any, any putt 20 foot and in. Um, and Rory couldn't buy a putt, couldn't buy a birdie all day. He was only one under on the day. Um, and then Victor Hovland, he couldn't really buy a putt either. So a combo of that... Um, Young, the American, also played amazing. He ended up finishing in second. Um, and just overall, a great tournament. One thing I want to talk about, though, is Tiger Woods. And the reason that Tiger Woods is a big topic after this weekend is because people don't know if this is it. People don't know if this is his last major that we're going to see him in because of his health, because of the shape that his body's in after the car accident and the back problems and all the surgeries that he went through. He is not in his prime anymore. And the what he did for golf in his prime was greater than any athlete has ever done for a particular sport in the history of anything. And that is why he is valued so much by the public. He's one of my favorite athletes of all time, personally. I absolutely love Tiger Woods. But the emotions he showed when he was crossing the bridge at St. Andrews, and you could tell that it meant so much to him that the crowd still had his back. It was truly remarkable. And, you know, me just admiring greatness and admiring him as a person. I know he's made mistakes in his past. So has everybody. 
Um, but he has a good heart and uh, it's just great to see that he's back out there, that he's even alive after that car accident um, and still playing at the highest level for the most part. Yeah, it's not Tiger Woods's standard for highest level, but the fact that he's even playing um, in a major at St. Andrews, one of the toughest courses in the world, um, it's great. It's great to see. So all the best to Tiger. If he decides to go into retirement, just know that he is the GOAT. Um, and there's nothing really debating that. You can say Nicholas has more majors, this and that. But as far as influence on the game, sheer dominance, and checking all the boxes above that, Tiger Woods is the greatest golfer of all time. And he has a legit case for the greatest athlete of all time. So that is where I stand with that. But one thing I'm going to get to later, talking about the greatest athlete of all time, I did want to have a discussion about that because... There were I've seen a lot of things come out recently about the LeBron and MJ debate, and I'll get to that, but as far as the greatest athlete of all time as a whole, in all sports included, um, there's a bigger conversation that needs to be made. It's not just accolades, it's not just this and that, it's influence, it's all this, so I'm going to get to that, but I'm going to move on to the MLB because we just had the MLB draft tonight, and I am super stoked uh, for my guy Brooks Lee at Cal Poly. He, I've been following him for a while. I'm super proud of what he was able to do. He got drafted by the Minnesota Twins. Um, I, I like the fit. I think he's going to be able to get called up pretty early in their system. I know they have Correa there, but I think ultimately he moves to third base. He just seems he, like a third baseman to me. And the switch hitter, the switch hitting power with... Being able to spray it to all fields is something that is extremely unique. And he's a polished prospect. You know, a lot of these guys like Drew Jones, Jackson Holiday, the guys that went early, they're high school guys that are getting drafted based off of pure potential. There's nothing proven yet, necessarily. Um, so I, I was super stoked about that. But the thing, like just breaking down the whole draft in general, I was extremely shocked that Drew Jones didn't go number one overall. I think that this guy, looking into it, like from the pre-draft process, he was the clear best player in this draft. And I still stand by that. And I think that the Orioles made a mistake drafting him because, one, I think Drew Jones is just better. And I think he's going to be a better MLB star. But number two, you got Gunnar Henderson in your system, who is also a really, really good shortstop, who... Might be better than Jackson when it's all said and done. And this requires you to move Holiday to second or move him out of his normal position. I know he can play second. I know that's what his draft grade said. But I just think Drew Jones, as far as a everyday center fielder for the next 15 years, would have been a way better move. Yeah, they still got Cedric, but you could just stack that outfield, move Cedric to left, even move Jones to left. But that was interesting to me, and I think it. I think the Orioles, I'm going to put it out there, I think the Orioles regret this in the next few years. I think Drew Jones blossoms into one of the best defenders in baseball and one of the best players um, in the game. He's Julio Rodriguez-esque. He has that potential, truly, and I'm not just saying that. Um, and the guy's special, so I, I just didn't like that they passed on him, but we'll see what happens. And then, th then third overall, the Rangers take Kumar Rocker, which was 
absolutely out of this world. I was not expecting this to say the least, right? Kumar drafted 10th overall last year by the Mets, and then he has the shoulder issues, doesn't pass the physical, and the Mets say, oh, we're not going to sign him because we don't want to take that risk. He goes and pitches in this random league just to get his confidence up, sub 1-5 ERA, absolutely dominating, striking out everybody, throwing 99, and the Rangers decide, oh, this projected second round pick, we're going to take third overall. I absolutely hated this move. I'm going to be honest. You have Elijah Green on the board, who in my opinion has the most potential in this draft as far as physical stature is concerned, as far as uh, just sheer potential. Like This guy could be one of the best players in the game. There's so many loaded guys in this draft, but you take Kumar Rocker, which is a major risk. And I wonder... Does this, does this uh, draft, does this draft pick stem from picking Jack Leiter just a year ago? Do they want to reunite the Vanderbilt boys? And I think Kumar, the thing with Kumar Rocker, and and you can say this about any prospect, so so I get I get that, but the thing with Kumar Rocker is it's he's either going to be insanely good and win multiple Cy Youngs. Or not even make the bigs and have a cup of coffee at best. So that this is the issue I have. I think Elijah Green, yet he has so much potential, and the Rangers are just in a they're not in a win now mode necessarily. Yeah, they have Simeon and Seeger, but you want to build from the ground up, and I think that Elijah Green would have given them the best best opportunities to do that, and they passed on him. So I didn't like that, um, but we'll see what happens. And then at number four, we had. The best hitter in this draft in Tamar Johnson. I watched all of his pre-draft stuff. He's a super great guy. Um, I absolutely love what he's going to bring to the table with Pittsburgh. And what the Pirates are doing is they're building a really, really nice young group. You have O'Neill Cruz, who's the 6'7 shortstop phenom who throws 100 and does all these insane things. You have Cabrian Hayes, who's one of the best defenders at third base in baseball and hits with the best of them. And then you have just a bunch of other guys. You have great pitching prospects. I mean, this team is going to be really, really good come 2030. I think in 2030, this could be one of the best teams in baseball. And they're doing everything the right way. And Tamar Johnson was definitely the right pick here. He gets $7 million uh, signing bonus. Elijah Green went at five. Um, this is a great pick for the Nationals. He's one of the best players in the draft. Like I said, that's most potential in the draft for sure. As far as just physical dominance, he's 6'3", 225, and hits absolute bombs. I mean, he's phenomenal. Then you have Jacob Berry out of LSU. I hated this pick, honestly, for the Marlins. I think he's a super solid player, but when you have Brooks Lee on the board, who's a short uh, switch hitting shortstop phenom, and you pass on him, you make a mistake. And I think that the Marlins, would they're in need of a franchise shortstop, and they just passed on one. Um, and then at seven, I don't know what the Cubs are doing with Cade Horton. Haven't even heard of this guy. Uh, plus four or five ERA. They must have saw something I didn't. Um, they should have picked Brooks as well. And then Brooks goes at eight to the Twins. A great pick. Um, and gets $5 million. So uh, pretty excited for him. And then the best pick in this draft, in my opinion, was Kevin Parada at number 11 to the New York Mets. Kevin Parada won the Buster Posey Award as he went to Georgia Tech, which is known as Catcher's University. Uh, Joey Bart went there, a bunch of other guys. But this 
guy just rakes. He is legit. He does everything you need. He's above average at defense, and he hits the ball a long way. He reminds me so much of Joey Bart. It is insane. They are literally the same guy. They're the same player. And Joey Bart, yeah, he struggled in the MLB so far, but he's starting to hit his stride, and they have the same potential, which is all-star, or not just all-star, multi-time all-star catcher. And that is what Kevin Parada is. The Mets got themselves a great one. That was just an insane pick. And then looking down the list, there were a lot of other good uh, picks. A lot of two-way guys went off the board. I saw that Reggie Crawford went to the Giants, which was interesting. But it shows how much guys like Shohei Otani have revolutionized this game. Two-way guys were not even a thought, you know, five, ten years ago. But now... It's becoming the standard, and you're going to see in the next years. You know, once I start hopefully broadcasting at the higher level and um, I see how these guys develop, you're going to see guys that are two-way guys consistently, and they're pitching, and they're hitting, and they're doing all these things. And yeah, they might not be to the same magnitude as Shohei Otani, but teams are realizing if we can get a guy that can do both, he is that much more valuable. So super... um, interested interested to see like how this pans out with the two-way guys um as the years continue and then we have the home run derby so i'm going to transition a little bit i know i talked draft if you guys have any other questions about the draft just hit my dm um i i love all these prospects i follow them really closely so i'm super stoked to see what they can do but uh, i'm going to move to the home run derby my prediction uh for the winner in this is pete alonzo i think he has um, everything that is needed to, to win. Uh, but I will say that Julio Rodriguez is going to be a sleeper. Like if you don't think so, you're just being delusional. Like this guy can absolutely rake. So I wouldn't sleep on him. I also think Kyle Schwarber is going to have a really good, um, tournament, but I'd say my guys, you know, Pete, Julio Rodriguez and, and Schwarber, I think those three, um, they're going to be great. And then, as far as the All-Star game goes, which is a day later on Tuesday, um, the there's just the stars. I mean, it, it is one of the best All-Star games in any single sport. I think, you know, the NFL one, the Pro Bowl, it's kind of a joke because no one hits anybody and it's hard to play football without trying. Um, in the NBA, it's gotten better for sure as the rules have, have changed. But the MLB, it is really hard to not try in the MLB. And it's one of the most pure forms of an all-star game you can get. And I thought last, I thought uh, on like last year, they didn't do that many great things as far as the all-star game was concerned. I only watched a little bit, but I heard that they're going to be miking up players on Tuesday. Um, so that's going to be interesting. And doing anything you can do to spread the game and spread the wealth. I mean, we have so many people from different countries in the MLB right now. Um, it is one of the most global games, and just getting the recognition that it deserves from the public is definitely needed. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I'm definitely excited um, for the future of baseball, and I think they're trending in the right direction. So I'm going to move on to the NFL really briefly. Um, I know it's around the corner. It's only about 53 days away, and I wanted to just talk about the teams that I think are going to be over the top good. I know a lot of you guys love football. So I want to just highlight what teams I think are going to be insanely good. Um, My team in the AFC, and I'm going to stand by it, is the Los Angeles Chargers. 
And I don't know what it is, but they just have everything on paper to be a 13 or 14 win team. And people just aren't realizing it. I know they're the Chargers, but at some point things can change, right? And I think that this is the year. I think that the Chargers have a legit shot at making the Super Bowl an AFC championship, honestly, minimum. If this team stays healthy, they will not lose early. They will win the division as well in one of the hardest divisions in football. Um, And I think they could dominate. I really do. Um, But only time will tell. So they're my favorite team in the AFC. I know 13, 14 wins. That's a little over-exaggerating. But I'm just emphasizing how good they can be. They've got the Buffalo Bills in the AFC. Love them as well. Um, The Chiefs are still going to be good. The Raiders. That whole AFC West is just ridiculous. Um, And then the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to win the AFC North. Especially with the Deshaun Watson scandals looming. You don't know. If Deshaun is ever going to play football again, you don't know if he's even going to play. Yeah, you don't know if he's ever going to play again, let alone play this year. Um, so we'll see what happens. But if Deshaun's not on on the football field, the Browns might be the worst team in football and be last in the AFC. So that's going to be um, it, it's just awful what, what Deshaun has done um, to his career. And uh, I'm just disappointed because he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league and it's it's definitely unfortunate. Um, but as far as the NFC is concerned, I think the Niners are going to be up there. They're going to be a really good team. The Rams, obviously, those two in the NFC West are still going to be insane. The Buccaneers, now that Tom Brady is quote-unquote unretired, um, he's back. They're going to be solid. Uh, who else? I mean, the Saints, they could be pretty good. Um, and I'm a firm believer that in the NFC North, right, it's been the Packers division. For the last five, six years. But I think that this year, the Minnesota Vikings will win the division. Um, And I stand by that. They are just the better team. And Aaron Rodgers does not have enough receiving weapons to keep up. The Vikings are hungry. I know Kirk Cousins is just a little bit above average. But the weapons they have is just insane. You got Dalvin. I mean, I'm just saying if they stay healthy. You got Kirk, Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. All these guys, Conklin's going to have a good year again. A lot of speed threats. Um, Osborne, right? And then on the defensive end, you bring in Zadarius Smith from the Packers. You basically steal him from your rival. You still have Smith, or you still have uh, Harrison Smith. Um, You still have a lot of other guys on defense. And it basically is shaping up into be the Vikings be the best team in the AFC North. And I just don't see anything changing that. But if anyone could defy the odds, it's Aaron Rodgers. So I'm not going to put it past him, but I'm just going to say that, in my opinion, I think the Vikings win the NFC North. I'm going to dive deeper into all of my division picks once the season gets closer, just in case there's more injuries, uh, et cetera, whatever happens. But I'm really excited for the season. I think it's going to be a phenomenal football season. I mean, we open up the, we open up the season with Bill's Rams on Thursday night football week one. It doesn't get better than that. That could be a Super Bowl matchup. So everything that's going into the season, I'm just super stoked. Fantasy, all that will give you the best fantasy picks on here as well. But um, it's it, it's one of the best sports in the world. And, and I love it because all of America loves football. And the thing is, they're all going to watch it. And it's great. So super excited for that. I'm going to talk NBA just briefly. The Blazers won the Summer League. Uh they got rings, and everyone was joking about how Damian Lillard now wants a ring because uh, his summer league team got it, so I thought that was funny. 
Um, and a lot of the rookies, they've impressed me, you know, in the summer league. Paolo Bancaro, I was super high on Paolo. Um, I talked about this on my previous podcast, but I was super high on Paolo going into the draft. I thought he was the best prospect, and I didn't think it was really close. I think that Paolo, I thought that Paolo brought everything to the table, 6'10 with handle, a pretty good defender. He can, I mean, the wingspan's ridiculous. He reminded me of a KD, you know, just a little bigger, um, being able to do the same things. Yeah, he didn't have the same shooting ability, but the same 6'10 with handle, um, guard-like play from that size. And I, I see the Ben Simmons comparison, but Paolo can shoot. So he's going to be special. I think he's going to be a multi-time all-star, I think he, or a multiple-time all-star, I should say. Um, and I think that the Magic are building something good. I know they need a lot more pieces, but with Franz Wagner, you know, you still have Suggs there. And then bringing in Paolo, it's a good young team. And you still got Bamba. I mean, we'll just see what happens. But uh, I thought it was a great pick. And as far as picks disappointing me, I mean... Jabari Smith Jr. is the only one for the Rockets. Um, just as far as shot creation is concerned, he hasn't shown a lot in that regard. He hasn't shown as much confidence as I would have liked, but I know it's growing pains in the summer league, and I'm not going to judge a guy off of a couple games in Vegas. But uh, he was my only top prospect that I really thought was underperforming. I thought Keegan Murray of the Kings was just ridiculous. He reminds me of Jason Tatum in a lot of ways. A lot of my friends were clowning on me for that, but... Uh, he doesn't have the same shot creation ability, but as far as his length on the defensive end, shooting the ball, he does a lot of similar things like Jason Tatum. And I think he could be um, almost as good. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then Mac McClung, he's been balling for the Warriors. I saw James Wiseman was back as well. Um, so I was excited to see that. I mean, Wiseman, he's been just grinding to get back and he's finally back and um, looks pretty healthy. So uh, that was pretty cool. And um, yeah, as far as free agency news is concerned, DeAndre Ayton signed with the Suns. He was going to sign with the Pacers. He intended to, but since he's a restricted free agent, the Suns were able to match the contract deal and bring him back. And that's exactly what they did. So DeAndre Ayton's going to be a Phoenix Sun. I don't know if this might be involved in the sign-in trade with Kevin Durant, but I've said from the beginning, I think it's a smokescreen. I think that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving will ultimately stay in Brooklyn, and they're just messing with the media because they do it every year. Um, don't be shocked if they run it back in Brooklyn with no regrets because that is exactly what I see happening um, as far as the future goes. So that's all I got for NBA. It's the off season, You know, it's slow right now, but I- I'm stoked to see. Uh, I said stoked a lot. I must be really excited. No, uh, but yeah, I'm, I am uh, pretty excited to see what happens uh, for the rest of this off season and going into next year, so... Super cool. Um, and then I wanted to just talk a little announcement. A World Baseball Classic for the MLB in 2023. Mike Trout announced uh, a few days ago that he's going to be, uh, or he was, he, he, it's not official, but he announced that he was thinking to play him for the World Baseball Classic team for USA. So that's great. I really encourage all of you viewers who are just interested in sports. The World Baseball Classic is one of the best events I've seen. Um, I'm also a massive baseball fan and I love watching it, but the camaraderie of countries and, and it's basically just like the world cup for soccer on a much lower level, obviously, but it is super fun to watch. So I highly encourage, you know, we got the Dominican Republic has a loaded team. USA has a loaded team. Venezuela always is good. Colombia is great. Mexico's decent. I mean, there's just so many great teams. So 
I, I can't wait for that in 2023. So yeah. Um, yeah. So thanks for that. But, uh, or that's cool. I should say, but what the last thing I wanted to talk about was the goat debate. I saw some things about Michael Jordan. I, I know there were jokes, but about John Moran talking about Michael Jordan, about how, uh, or how not just Michael Jordan, but you know Andre Iguodala saying Rasheed Wallace would be a top five player in today's game, and and saying all these things. I never have understood the comparing of eras. It, it's just logically it's flawed. It, it doesn't make sense. If you're going to compare a guy who played in the 1950s to a guy now, how is that fair? That's why I personally have Wilt Chamberlain in my top five because in his era which is the only thing he could, he couldn't control that, right? But he controlled his play and he averaged 50 points a game with 20 rebounds. He was a freak of nature, seven feet tall, did everything, blocked shots, got rebounds. And you're going to tell me he's not top five of all time. I find that ridiculous, honestly. Like Wilt Chamberlain is one of the best players to walk this earth and we're not putting him in the top five. Also, the disrespect to Bill Russell, he's an 11-time champ, and people don't have him in the top five because, oh, he played against plumbers, quote-unquote. That's ridiculous to say. I'm sorry, but he can't control that. Obviously, guys in today's game are going to have more skill because there's more trainers. There's new moves that come out every single day. The body has evolved from 1950 to now. Men have gotten stronger with all the science. So comparing eras, even comparing LeBron and Jordan's ridiculous at some point. I mean, come on. We have to grow up. We have to respect greatness in each era. And if we're doing that, Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time in basketball. And it's not really a debate. If we look at dominance in his era, which is what we should look at, Michael Jordan is the GOAT. LeBron, I I love watching LeBron. I think he's the second best player of all time. And he has dominated. I haven't seen a guy in my life average 28, 8, and 5 in three different decades. But at the same time, how am I going to ignore 6-0 in the finals? How am I going to ignore influence on the game of basketball abroad? Averaging 30 a game. The most influential athlete of all time, arguably, besides Tiger. But MJ's, I think MJ's even on a higher level. Everyone was wearing Jordan. He made one of the best brands in the world. I mean, this guy, it's so hard for someone to look at me and tell me he's not the GOAT. One of the best defenders of his time. I mean, he did everything. And if you, if people who watch Jordan play, I didn't even watch Jordan play and I say he's the GOAT. But if you watched him play, I just don't see how you can say he's not. I mean, going up and under, dunking from the free throw line, ridiculous. So that's all I said on the go debate. But all I wanted to say, aside from Jordan, look at the goat debate as more than just accolades. Look at it as influence. Look at it as sheer dominance, right? Influence on the game, all that stuff. Because that is honestly... The most important thing as far as the GOAT's concerned. Yes, accolades. I'm assessing accolades when I put guys in my top 10. But also, like, how good they were against their competition. How much they influenced the game around them. That is just as important. So, I just wanted to highlight on that. I'm fully open to going more into depth uh, later on. But that's basically all I got for today.
Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the podcast. Episode 2 of Summer Sunday. We will be coming to you live next Sunday as well. Stay tuned. A lot more content dropping. Looking to doing some new things in the future. Looking forward to it as well. Thank you guys all for the support. And hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Peace. Thank you guys.